on TV, online, and on to the next one. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and we are worlds apart once again as I am home for just a few weeks before Prague. Um, well, maybe it'll still be home. I'm not really sure. Uh, I was going to say, have, have you, were you the person who crashed the Canadian immigration server? You know, it's weird because like when I first... I, probably going to get into this first just a little bit at the top of the show guys that's it look at the election happened um donald trump was elected president it's all very surreal for me i was not a fan uh i was shocked embarrassed but i do think that i have uh come at various points to grips with just accepting it whatever's going to happen is going to happen i have nothing to say about it at this point i will do my best to maintain a positive attitude and uh you know we still need to I can't write off 40% of the country uh, for voting or whatever it was uh, for for voting for this guy. So we're just going to have to... Life goes on. To be fair, 46% of the country didn't even vote. I think you'll find it was roughly 25% of the country that actually voted for him. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's just... uh, It's going to be a long four years if I'm going to be absolutely miserable. Um, Well, let's talk about the pokers then because that's likely to cheer you up. Just very quickly... How glad are you that for one week only, and it wasn't time to coincide with the election result, by the way, we decided to record on a Thursday rather than a Wednesday? Yes, I appreciate that because I I may not have been able to. Um, I'm already like not in the best mood. And so like yesterday would have been really bad. So move it on. Coming up on today's show, there were no EBT events to cover, but I did attend the and MC the Against All Odds charity tournament as a favor for Daniel uh, to raise money for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We're going to recap that. That was a very weird and fun day. Um, The first of the three best of shows aired on TV in the UK this week and online for most of the rest of the world. James and I both watched that. Well, James was very heavily involved in making that show, obviously. I didn't see the finished product until uh, yesterday. Uh, and in that show is a pretty sick hand involving Jake Cody. He's going to be joining us later on to have a chat with us and to play. Uh, what's the game I kept with him? You're still the one. You're still the one. We're going to play with Jake Cody. And um, what what is his chance of getting one question right? Oh, that's probably why it should be. It's called You're Still the One. You still yeah. only can get one question here. <laughs> and uh, speaking of playing games today, on Superfan versus Stapes is another superfan who's been to my home, a superfan who has lived in my home, my old roommate, Jesse, J-Cat. He is visiting me here in L.A., and uh, he recently started driving for Uber. So his uh, he's got this great Uber story that he wants to tell us later. I told him to keep it, you know, I tell you what, I'll keep the quiz short, and that that'll allow him to tell the anecdote. Okay, cool. He, he can't he can't win a step C ticket. By the way, I know I take the piss about the fact that we get loads of state stalkers on. I do feel that you're getting loads of your acolytes in through the back door at the moment. We need to get some more genuine listeners onto this podcast. That's cool. I, I the, the reason is this: it's not so much that I am like what do you would call it? Nepotism and like getting my buddies on. But I do have a hard time saying no to them when they listen to every episode and they're like, please, could I come on the show? I'm like, well, it's not like I'm be like, Hey man, I don't really have the power. 
don't really have the power to get that done. I think so it's very any- sweet that you've got plenty of friends who actually listen to every podcast you do. Most of my friends don't even know I do a podcast, let alone a TV show or a live stream or anything else for that matter. Yeah, like a lot of my friends are like that, but I do have a couple that just absolutely love poker. So, uh, James, what's going on in the world of social media? Uh, well, last week on social media, on YouTube, in fact, we posted an interview which we shot with Will Kasuf at EPT Malta. After he came on the stream as a guest commentator, I basically sat down with him and we just had a 20, 25 minute chat about all the gubbins that went on at the World Series. So, so two questions then? <laughs> no, because I'm very good at interrupting him. Uh, but talked about his run-ins with the tournament staff, that hand against Griffin Benger, just everything that went on and obviously his newfound fame and making it very clear that it's clearly 15 minutes of fame um so the video went out now usually because i'm a sane human being and have better things to do with my time i never ever look at the comment section of a youtube video but bizarrely the other day Uh i was just interested in in how many views this video had had and i just caught the top comment and i started scrolling through and realized Oh my God, not only are people really mean on YouTube, but they're also really (laughs) fucking stupid. And I do wonder if there is more stupidity in this world anywhere than in the YouTube comments section. Um, Yeah, dude. So let me ask you this, though. You're typically pretty good at avoiding it. But once you started, could you stop? Uh, no, look, the good thing is there are actually lots of positive comments and actually people said some nice things about the interview. What I find bizarre is th- there's a handful of people and we're talking about five or six comments and don't worry, I will read them. Uh, people who <laughs> feel that in somehow, some way I was on the attack or in some way that I'm a Kasuf hater, which is ironic because I'm not. I actually like the guy as a person. And obviously, as someone who works in televised poker, I absolutely love having him on TV or having him on a live stream because he draws a massive audience because he polarizes. Some people do love him. Some people do hate him. But I tell you one thing, they watch and that's good for us. And I, we, we always talk to you about how we want characters in poker. He is a character. And okay, sometimes his shtick gets a little bit tired and it gets a little bit repetitive. But I genuinely, genuinely do not dislike the guy. And I said at the end of the interview, we love having you on TV. We love seeing you in TV shows. But some people didn't get that vibe. Um, Pills in the Ray simply typed, fuck this host. Seriously. <laughs> Mix pal went one further. Fuck Hartigan, stars whore. Um, <laughs> what? Explosion completely misses the point of someone playing devil's advocate. Jesus, James is such a Kasuf hater, and it's so fucking annoying. Will Kasuf was playing great and enjoyable poker. James was just banging on that he was annoying and, and shit. He just needs to shut the fuck up. Jeez. That's funny. That's really funny. And finally, my personal favorite from Young Jeg. James Hartigan is a prick and doesn't like Kasuf. He also knows nothing about top-level poker. I do like Kasuf, so Young Jeg, you only got two out of three correct. Uh, what? This is, I actually don't take criticism of you, of you very well at all. Like, I get super defensive and mean. Like that dude who I said his mother was illiterate from Malta. Like I just – I don't like re- hearing these comments directed at you. Like I, it makes me even more like – you know how like you want to – I want to grab every troll and sit them down and explain to them and be like, 
listen, you fucking moron. This is what <laughs> this is what's called an interview, and it's I'm not a hater of him. And also, shut the fuck up. Well, this is my response to all of those people. The fact that you felt that way means I was doing my job because that's what you're meant to do in an interview. You're meant to present the other side, and if that meant you un- you got the impression that I somehow didn't like the guy, then clearly I was doing a decent job of presenting the alternative argument. Oh, are you sure? Do you want him, Do you want me to big old pile of shit there, James? Yeah, I'm they, gonna, can, I'm they a- can absolutely eat a big old pile of shit. Yes, we got him. Social media beefs, James <laughs> style. I just want to do one blanket social media beef uh, this week, James. For all of the Trump trolls out there who somehow were just, it, it was about gloating um, after the victory and um, and also rubbing it in the faces of people whose who's candidate didn't win. I thought that was, uh, hey, look, like I said, I, I, look, I, James, I was talking to Phil Hellmuth a couple days ago. We did a shoot together and he said in his mind, there is an 8% chance that President Trump could be like a great president, right? I'm not really willing to put it that high. I'll put it at like a one-outer, like a perfect, perfect situation. 2%. However, yeah, there there is a chance, and so I'm gonna hang out until that, you know, and, and maybe that will um, it just cross my fingers for now, and you know, whatever. We've seen some strange things happen in our time, uh, so just one big old pile of shit for the people being dicks. Everyone else, congratulations on your win. I hope you're right. Pro- prove yourselves right. Here we go. Um, I did have a weird political experience though coming through the border last time, James, to the UK. Right. Um. I uh, like I, I never have a problem anymore because I've you know all my paperwork's all straight and like it's a good system now. Yeah, you they get ask to go me, in the fast lane like with the electronic scanners, which I didn't think anyone who didn't have an EU passport could do. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've signed up for all the right things, and I never have a problem getting in and out anymore. But this particular time, the guy um, who I was dealing with, the officer, it was like he was like training or something. And so it took a little bit longer than usual. And he was like, oh, this isn't working. And so someone else had to come over and help him. And it was like touch and go for a second. But then as a like, so I'm about to go through and the supervisor, whoever it is, all of a sudden looks at the computer screen and goes, oh, no, 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 he can't. He can't come in. And I was like, what? And he's like, looks at me. He goes, it says here you're a Republican. And. I got that he was joking like within a few seconds, but I thought it was like, uh, first of all, I'm not a Republican, so I could say no, but I have no idea how I would have responded if I had been like it. I don't want to get a dude in trouble because he's like trying to have fun and like, you know, not be the typical stiff ass border guard, but like didn't really think it was a good joke at all. Like what if I had been? I'm, I'm, I mean, the weird thing is, I I don't like the border guards who are over officious and mean and nasty. Yeah. But equally, don't try and be comedians. You don't even have to try and be over friendly. Just 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 do your job. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna try to be a comedian, stick to like a prop joke. Maybe like don't, <laughs> don't make it a political joke. Just seemed really weird. So, um, so yeah, I did. Uh, I I did. I. Uh, I was sweat the election with Phil Helmuth and Antonio Esfandiari because we were um, shooting something together that day. And uh, I probably I won't give numbers, but like Antonio had a significant amount of money riding on uh, Hillary Clinton. And so 
you know, it was something that was like somewhat disapp- disappointing to us in general. But then Antonio had also lost like a massive amount of money. So it was this really weird sweat. And the three of us were supposed to go out to dinner. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going out to dinner with Phil Helmuth and Antonio. Like, we're going to be real friends after this. And then we everyone was like so bummed out that like no one went to dinner. Yeah. After uh, a- after our shoot. So, um, so, yeah, it was just a really weird day. Here's some happy news, though. And I'm not sure that it's not really my news to share. But Matt texted me. Uh, last week to tell me that he had had taco bell <laughs> he went to the one taco bell restaurant in the uk or yeah. did he take a plane to america just to try taco bell no apparently apparently there's one not too far from his house so he went to that one and he was like it was very good and then i asked him what he got and all i got was a quesadilla and i was like oh buddy you don't even know you don't even know i was like you know when someone tells you like or like with your wife james like the first time you showed her like a really great tv series that she hadn't seen before and you're like you gotta watch this you're so excited that's how i feel about matt and taco bell i'm like oh my god it gets so much better season two is amazing talking of tv and movies joe are you caught up with black mirror yet by any chance have you had a chance to watch anything on netflix in recent weeks i no, like uh, actually jesse and i were talking about trying to watch some black mirror i don't know how everyone has time to watch all this television like people are watching like black mirror and westworld and the night of and like ev- like how is everyone watching everything how are they doing this well first of all i haven't seen the night of a westworld yet they're on they're on my kind of dvr ready to watch but uh black mirror i'm just watching one a night because of course they're individual dramas and i've seen seasons one and two uh outstanding so good so good and while i'm giving out recommendations as well the neon demon i finally saw it last week and i bloody loved it but then again i am a sucker for a movie that just looks so damn beautiful and really captures the style and spirit of stanley kubrick who's probably my favorite filmmaker of all time yeah i didn't uh, i haven't had a chance to see that yet i, I had a feeling you were gonna see it um pretty close to immediately when it came out on video so i i'm upset that i didn't i didn't I didn't get there with you. Oh, you moved, buddy. You moved. Oh uh, my god! But I saw I saw the new Reacher last night with Jesse. Oh yeah, and it wasn't very good. Oh, it was no. really disappointing. I I absolutely loved 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 the first one. Yeah, but the first one had Werner Herzog. That's not a trick you can play twice. That is true, and that that was a big part of it. It just uh, it just felt like a very standard movie, and I don't know. It just kind of bored me, to be honest. So, womp womp. It's been a rough week. 2016, please give it a rest. Yeah, it has been an absolute shit show for sure. Let's let's accentuate the positive, Joe. Let's talk about the event that you were hosting earlier this week. Event recap. Event recap. I did this thing called the Against All Odds Charity Tournament um, for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Now, James, you heard me say it very laboriously. I almost, right before I went on stage, you know how sometimes like when you send me an email, I'll just like, kind of skip over some parts of it, like if it's like too dense a paragraph or I do try these days. Line. I try and restrict emails to absolute minimum length because I know you take in about 40% of the content and then I get really pissy every time you like ask follow-up questions and I sometimes will just forward you the original email just to make a point that I'd already given you that information. 
Yes, and that's all totally justified. I, and from a from an ethical standpoint, I completely understand when you, when I ask you that question, you're like, it was in the email. I feel like such a fucking dick. So um, something similar happened with this St. Jude Children's Hospital charity tournament because uh, they say at the very top of this thing, please note, it's St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. It's not St. Jude's. It's not St. Jude's Hospital. It's not St. Jude Children. Like they're very specific about the branding, Fair like enough. the fact that I'm that I'm not allowed to say PCA anymore. Um, oh, that's that one for the swear jar. No, no, that's not for the swear jar. It's referencing the fact that it used to be called the PCA. So anyway, um, so in the in the th- this charity is an excellent charity and gives a lot of the money like way more money back than most charities do so it's like not a difficult one to work for and, and this is daniel's preferred charity whenever he does any kind of charity event this is always the charity he's raising money for this is like his you know his big one yeah, yeah. it's not to say that he wouldn't be generous to other causes throughout sure. the year but like specifically he raises for them yeah and so this thing was like a really big deal to the people running it um it was very serious. I received no fewer than four warnings about keeping the material clean. Um, wow. Was was this in advance of saying anything or were these warnings during the night when people felt you were pushing the boundaries? No, no, no. This is in advance to, to everything. Okay. I, it wasn't. Uh, I really don't think I even said a questionable thing throughout that they found questionable throughout Good. the course of the night. Um so yeah, long story short, I did James. I did one gag I wanted to tell you about. As I was like, man, I don't know like how to do gags about this. And first of all, because it's kids with cancer, right? So like, how funny can you make something? You know, like it's not even really like you can be irreverent about it. No. Like you truly can't. So um, I decided to open the show with a joke where I pretended like I didn't realize that I was learning a lot about the hospital, and turns out that it's not a hospital run entirely by children. Um, and you know, so that's just like, yeah, you know, it's stupid and stupid, but, but, but exactly, but clean and, and safe. So it's a poker night, right? It's people playing poker, raising money for charity. That's right. I almost forgot. It's a poker. Yeah. So it's like, it was like a, a $600 buy and a limited $300 rebuys. And me and Daniel basically spent the night walking around, you know, trying to get people to rebuy. And Daniel kept doing all these things. Like I have a hundred dollars in my pocket for the next person who wins a hand with seven deuce. And then the person wins. And then Daniel basically guilts them into giving the hundred dollars back to the charity. Nice. And so it's, uh, and a lot of people matched it. Um, but it was a celebrity poker tournament the only thing i know about this event other than that you hosted it because you told me in advance is this video i saw of daniel kissing the girl from beverly hills 90210 yeah daniel eventually at some point um basically uh, jenny garth wanted to do like a full add-on uh from beverly hills 90210 and the full add-on during the break was 1500 dollars, but you got 50k in chips and considering the starting check was 5k um it was seemed, you know, it was really good value. Sure. What was her name in in the show? Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. And okay, so she was I with had Steve. Brief, I had a brief conversation with her, like a few brief conversations. She was uh, really, really sweet to me. Um, and one of the things that we talked about was I made a like she was like trying to get me to like give her a free rebuy, and I was like, nah, I was more of an Andrea guy. And um, <laughs> is Andrea the one who was like where the actress was like forty six? Yeah, um, and <laughs> playbook. Her name was Gabrielle something or other. Anyway, um, to, to be perfectly honest, which I ended up telling her off mic was that I was um, so young at the time that her character was the only one that I knew was hot. 
Like I didn't understand like like Shannon Doherty like wasn't hot to me because I was like such a child, but like a this pretty blonde girl was like the first one that sort of I realized was attractive. And didn't uh, you so really want you want to be? Didn't you really want to be friends with Steve? Oh uh, yeah, my God! Well, of course I did. But have you seen him these days? That guy's like in his fifties and he still looks like thirty-two. He's like Matt Broughton. He doesn't age. Oh man, I want whatever that is. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so Jenny Garth wanted to do a full add-on, and Daniel was like, "Tell you what, I'll pay for it for you for a kiss on the cheek." Okay. And then she was like, uh, "Okay, come on over here." And so everyone gets their phones out. I happen to get. You might have seen the video from my uh, Instagram. I think probably. And um, so Daniel goes and he leans in to get a kiss on the cheek. She grabs him by the face and kisses him on the mouth. But then she's like, it's going to be just like whatever, like a like a like one like a peck on the mouth. You know what I mean? Not like a makeout session. But Daniel's like, oh, shit, she's going full mouth. Let me then also try to pile on this. And you can see Daniel tries to grab her and hold the kiss for a little bit longer and she pulls away almost immediately it's like perfect it's like a bluff double bluff situation really really fun um so that was cool and now i have like a, a whole bunch of uh like you know james to be honest when i looked through the list of celebrities for this thing i was like i, I felt like there are bigger celebrities last year i'm not really sure who these people are there was a lot of people that i like literally had never heard of i will say though that they were awesome they were really really nice people um, and we're super friendly. All asked me about stand up. Hey man, where are you doing stand up in LA? I want to come see you. So That's nice. I had a really, yeah, I had a really good night. Daniel got so, so drunk. Oh no. Uh, yeah. To the point where like a lot of my job was like Daniel wrangling where he would like start doing a thing about like, why can't we use the term illegal aliens anymore? And I'd be like, whoa, 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 Daniel, come on. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, geez. Take it easy. I don't know if he said that specifically, but um, you know, he starts he starts get you know going down certain roads. He starts doing oh, he started rapping and doing his like Jamaican oh. accent, and oh. I'm just like talking over him. It's actually Oi, worked pretty the well. Granu, as a- no. <laughs> I mean, it's actually pretty funny being the straight man, like being the guy. Like, imagine if you were doing this with me. Sometimes you would just have to drown me out, like if I wouldn't stop talking, and that's what I had to do to Daniel a few times. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, by the way, any of the other celebrities I might have heard of? Um, I there was the okay. So, do you remember the movie history? The history of violence. Uh, yeah, that's the one with uh, Viggo Mortensen, right? Yeah, the Cronenberg movie. Um, the kid who plays his son in the movie, his wow. name is Ashton Holmes. Okay. Um, he is a big poker fan. Listen to our st- all our stuff before you start. Yeah, I remember him in that movie, and he was exceptionally good. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, he came up to me. He's like, "Hey, just want to let you know, you and James are great, big fan." I was like, "Oh, cool." And then it turns out we're from like the same hometown. Oh, wow. So I think uh, think maybe I'll be hanging out with uh, Ash- Ashton Holmes uh, occasionally here in nice. LA. Anyone else who listens or watches to us? Come on, um, I, I need an ego boost here. Let's see. There were oh, there were like fans, like fa- like people who showed up like just to kind of spectate. Um, and uh, a few people did mention you. This guy, um, Amir, uh, specifically came by, pitched me some weird idea for like that he wants to. Uh, to uh, sell the poker stars, this like patented idea, and so uh, I won't I won't say it on the air or whatever. But uh, ideas at pokerstars.com. I told him. I told him. Well, I I couldn't I couldn't remember that email address. I was like, I know it's ideas, but I can't remember if it's like Halfords or, or <laughs> ra- Rational Group. So I was like, just holler at this chick on uh, Facebook, and I gave him uh, Christine's 
uh, name. So hopefully, you know, who knows? There could be James. All I'm saying is, in a few a few months, there could be a new button on Poker Stars, a new thing. So there's so a there. few buttons we've been trying to get on Poker Stars for a while. So he can join the fucking queue. Is all I'm going to say. The EPT not live button will be coming out in 2021. <laughs> uh, okay, that's the event recap. Should we talk about TV now? Let's do it. I mean, hey, those source TV people at the celebrity event. Speaking of TV. TV recap. Nice segue. So, yeah, this week we had the first of three compilation shows, which are bridging the gap between seasons 12 and 13. Not long to go until people get to see the shows we made in Barcelona. Uh, back in August, the start of EPT 13. But we have got these three shows counting down what we consider to be 40 of the best, biggest, most memorable hands from the first 12 seasons of the European Poker Tour. So this mini-series, the best of the EPT, kicked off this week. First episode available to watch right now at PokerStars.tv, channel4.com slash poker if you're in the UK or Ireland. And this one gets off to an amazing start because this has... One of my favorite VTs ever constructed for any of our shows. It's almost like we did a skit, Joe. It's like we did a skit again. And we did a little sequence that um, Gary Davis cut together the, the other week. Yeah, it's cool. The intro to the show is super cool. Like, I don't, I mean, look, I'm biased because I'm me and I love me. And I think we look really, really cool at it. But um, yeah, it was way more involved than i expected it to be like i just did you think gary had that in mind when he was shooting it like he knew what it was going to look like later absolutely we just thought it was just going to be one long continuous tracking shot of us walking down a corridor and we're like well this is kind of boring shouldn't we be like doing something not realizing that there we were one small segment of the screen real estate we we were boring. It just turns out that everyone else wasn't and made us look not boring. Huzzah. Uh, and yeah, and then of course we, we get the countdown started. And I imagine, Joe, that within there, there is a few hands that you've never seen before. Yeah, there were a few hands I hadn't seen before. A question, though, it's just supposed to be sort of a random 40, though, right? They're not really, like, ranked. Um, to a certain degree, they are. I think once you start getting into the top 10... I think we're kind of like looking at the popularity and the moments that people talk about, the hands that people remember, uh, the hands that always appear in other compilation VTs. But to a certain degree, it's obviously arbitrary, as any countdown is. But also, you have to kind of space stuff out, because otherwise, you're going to have nothing good in the first show, and all the all the best bits are going to be in the last show. Right, right. Uh, before we get into specific hands, can we talk about the old commentators for a minute? Um, first of all... Colin Murray is unintelligible. I, I, <laughs> You're saying that I, as an American. I can follow what he's saying. He's like, and I'm like, what? What did, what did he just say there? Colin had an enthusiasm and a bizarre sense of humor that I feign to match. Well, okay. So, yeah, I will get to you in a second. Um, I did appreciate some of the, like, archaic words used, like John Duffy's calling it a middle pin straight. <laughs> and then like what was it he called a three bet a back raise oh he's back raised him i'm gonna i'm actually gonna try to get back raised back in there but james let's move on to you as old commentator how were you so first of all hold on a second i had this question posed but i'm gonna rephrase it when i was watching it i was like how was james so good at this even in season three and then i remembered i was like 
did you re-record some of your bits? None. So everything that came from back then was from back then. Correct. The hands have not been touched at all. The only new material recorded for the show were the links that we did and the the links between the hands. Okay. The so, actual commentary is uh, old school. It's very kind of you to say that. When I watch it, I don't think that. I watch some of those shows from season three and season four, and I think, oh my God, I've got so much better at this, which is obviously a good thing because it would be awful if I felt I'd got worse. Um, I think it's possible, but it's, there's some things where I'm like, oh God, what did you, why did you say that? And what was a dumb question to ask? I think I, I, show a la- I show a lack. I'm not saying I'm a poker expert now, but I show a massive lack of knowledge in some of those early shows. I I felt like the opposite. Like I'm, I'm like maybe look, you've seen more of the early shows than I have. Maybe just what I saw in this particular episode, you I thought like I honestly wondered if you had re-recorded some of it because yeah. it was just uh, you were so good at it so early on. There was one really fun hand that I hadn't seen before where this dude flops quads, right? Three jacks. That would be from the PCA 2009, Benny Spindler, where he flops quads against Alex Gomez's aces. Yeah, like I hadn't seen that hand before. Um, and then there were a couple other ones in the show I hadn't seen either. Um, but there was one, there was something you said, James. Uh, Do we get the uh, the audio file? Yes. So at the end of that segment, I'm so I'm watching with Jesse yesterday. And uh, at the end of that segment, you like, you know, do your like link, your bridging link to the next yeah, thing or whatever. And you say something like flopping quads, something like that. And me and Jesse both were like, it sounds like he says fucking quads. Can you play that? <laughs> Flopping quads at a final table must be nice, doesn't it? I don't know. Is it just me? Is because I watched like a like a, a a version of this, you know, that's obviously not the full HD quality, so um, it sounds a lot like you go like fucking quads. I'm gonna blame the guy who does the sound mixing for our TV shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking about you, Giles. Maybe uh, it's uh, is it like you know, like when you watch Family Guy and Stewie's like effing cry, you know, if he's saying laughing, cr- laugh and cry or effing cry, I felt like maybe it was on purpose. It was yeah. like a little Easter egg. <laughs> Not at all. From you. I, what I liked about it was looking back at some of the people who've done commentary in the past. I mean, we had a hand in there with Lee Jones. Uh, yeah. that's the hand where Theo Jorgensen had his aces cracked by like Queen Nine um obviously william reynolds who preceded you on the tour um obviously you mentioned colin murray and john duffy we had vicky corin vicky corin doing the grand final one year ali najad and daniel negranu doing the pca Gavin how Griffin. dare you by the way how dare you put ali najad in one of my shows he's the only one he's the only look i'm fine with all the other commentators <laughs> fuck ali najad. i'm just kidding i like ali najad to be fair there was more stapleton than there was anyone else and uh, that is the story for the next few weeks as well um so let's talk about one hand specifically yeah. uh, which is going to lead us nicely into this week's guest and it was the hand where jake cody pulls off this fantastic bluff against rob Mizraki at the pca i mean i say it's a fantastic bluff but in effect the, the bluff get called. Uh, we are joined from Florida by Jake Cody from Team Poker Stars Pro. Welcome back to EPC Not Live, Jake. Hello, guys. Good to be back. Good to be back. Hi, Jake Cody. I don't know how successful it is when it gets called. Well, I mean, yes. It, I, I said it was fantastic. <laughs> I guess you should be results-orientated, though. Exactly. Look, it's successful in the fact that everyone's watched it a million times. And, Jake, what do you make? Like one, two dollars every time that happens? <laughs> no, I don't make anything, I don't think. What? Maybe, like, in future... When people people might call me down later in the future, that could that could be worth one fifty dollars maybe. I don't know. Right. See, I remember this hand from the time, and I remember when we did it in the TV show. 
And I remember there is a postscript, which was a tweet you sent saying, lesson learned, never bluff a Mizraki. But considering yeah. he was in the tank <laughs> for as long as he was, Jake, you must have thought that there was a point where he's going to lay it down now. Surely he's going to fold. But my, my mind kind of twisted and turned, literally, I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly how long it was. I think it was eight, maybe even more than ten minutes. But, like, when you're the person bluffing, it literally feels like you sat there for an hour. And about, like, a few minutes in, I was like, maybe I should call a clock here, you know, to try and look strong. But then I'm going to feel like such an idiot if, like, I call a clock and he's just, like, snap calls. Like, <laughs> my God, why, why, why did I say anything? <laughs> and I don't really talk, like, mid-hands, like, you know, when there's a big decision. So I thought, I'm just going to stick to my normal strategy and just, like, stay and go quiet and then hope he folds. And at one point, he thought, he, like, he was talking himself into folding. And I was, like, feeling super confident. Like, I really thought he was going to fold. And then another like three, four minutes went by, and then he was like, he was talking himself into it. So I think maybe at that point I should just like panic and just try something to take him to fold. Then, but, well, Jake, like oh well. not only not only did you like not try anything, you didn't call the clock, you didn't say anything. Like it didn't even look like you were thinking about anything. Like you were so perfectly still. Like I would have never thought that you would even were like weighing other options. Like you didn't move a muscle. Yeah, well, I was. <laughs> I was like thinking exactly what I could do to try and like look the strongest and like look both feeble. So I basically just picked a spot um, on the felt, and then I just like focus on that spot. That's kind of what I do when, wherever, regardless if I'm bluffing or not. But when like the opponent's trying to get a read on me, I'll just pick a spot, not really interact that much, and uh, hopefully try and get the desired outcome. James, have you ever attempted this? Of course, I haven't. Okay, well, I have. I mean, I've, I've, tr I've tried to do this, like, you know, when I, I play very rarely and I try to, like, you know, make my move and stare perfectly still and stare at one spot of the table. I'm so tense, tense when I'm doing this, though, that if anything out of the ordinary happens, I literally jump. <laughs> like, my skin, I can feel my skin jump forward. Like, if someone reaches for their cards, I can feel all the muscles in the front of my face lurching forward. It's really bizarre. I cannot pull it off at all. Did that... <laughs> come na did that ability come naturally to you or did you have to work on that no no way i don't, I don't think it comes naturally for anyone to be honest i, I think the, the more and more you get comfortable at different stakes the more like you make decisions like you you like detach emotion from them so you like less like emotionally involved with the hand so you you feel like you've made your decision and you know the, the outcome is it is what it is um but i think you literally only that for experience i remember when i first played one of my very first tournaments in um in blackpool actually it was it was um like 2008 or something and i was literally just an online player then i decided to go and play like a 300 pound side event i'd played a little bit of like super small six live before that but this was my first like pretty serious event and i, I remember bluffing all in the river and all of a sudden my heart just started like racing really fast like <laughs> my hand was trembling and i was like what is going on here i'm like just trying to call myself together and somehow it got through actually but like i think you really just have to just repetition is the best thing to do it and like playing keep moving up basically so like let's say you play that 300 pound tournament and then you play like a thousand pound tournament so once you've played a few of those now if you play a 300 pound tournament again you kind of not that you don't care but like you're way more comfortable in doing like something crazy or like going with your gut when you're more than you play that stakes when they play those stakes more I'm so happy that we got the chance to include this hand in this countdown um, because I remember at the time the conversations behind the scenes. And this is a little bit of behind the scenes gossip for fans of the EPT shows. Uh, we were wondering how are we going to present this? Because you're absolutely right, Jake. Rob Mizraki is in the tank 
for 10 minutes. There's stuff going on at the yeah. other table involving his brother at the same time. And we kind of wanted yeah, to reflect, yeah. reflect that it was a long tank. But you know the reality that hands are cut down for TV. You never show someone thinking oh, yeah, for sure. eight minutes. And at one point, uh, the producer of the show proposed breaking the hand up and showing the first half over one side of an ad break <laughs> and then the conclusion after the ad break and we were kind of like you know the reality is you'd never cut away from a hand in real time etc so we decided to make an entire segment of the show about this hand just one hand and we yeah. even had like we, i mean we, he, he makes it really entertaining though like just his, his just like you can just kind of see the pain he's going through yeah so even though i lost the hand just see, seeing that i didn't that someone was kind of satisfied it is true. And of course, what we did is we end up cutting to a hand that Grinder, his brother's involved in. And we've got like the classic cliched picture in picture. Like, let's keep an eye on Rob just in case he does something during this hand. But then, of course, for this show, because it's retrospective, we were able to use that trick that we didn't use the first time around. And we did split it up over the ad break and left it on a cliffhanger. Is it going to get called? Find out after the break. Yeah, I thought so that was actually really. Sorry, too. Yeah, for a no, bit of backstory, I'd, I'd, um, I've been playing with, with Rob the whole day and um, about probably about half an hour earlier, I'd made like a really, really thin value shove with like, like just like a really weak ace on like ace, jack, nine, eight, four, something like that. And I um, got called. So like part of my reasoning for the shove in, in this hand was that like I was thinking that he could never possibly think that I would be bluffing in this spot because it's he'd made like like a, a light call against me when I'd just like shoved like a really weak hand on the river. Um, so I thought like, there's no way you could call You could call in this spot again. Do you think when you're trying to make a guess as to like, if your opponent's going to zig or are going to zag, do you always base on, okay, this is what he did last time. I'm going to bank on him doing it again. Is it like, if there's like a 50, 50 choice, is it slightly more weighted to what he had done last time? I mean, I'm all, I don't to be honest. I've said that, but I've, I do make most of my decisions just of what I think the correct plays in the certain hand. But I think dynamic does come into, um, and like, you know, uh, the psychology of what's happened in the past comes into hand sometimes. And I think this was a good example. And when, when you're sitting there um, while he's tanking for so long, are you, obviously you said some of the things you were thinking about. Does your mind ever wander from things that aren't poker? Like, do you think about like, oh, I wonder <laughs> when the new Game of Thrones starts. Do you ever like think about that shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just I'm trying to stay completely still. But in my mind was like, fold, 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 please fold. Wow! So just literally like ten minutes of you just screaming fold at the top of your lungs, trapped in your own existence. <laughs> like if you could somehow get a little microphone into my head, I'd probably sound insane for those ten minutes. Jake, we've already talked about some of the other hands that featured in the first section of this Top 40 countdown, and it is quite weird to go through the archives and pick out some of the characters and some of the venues that are no longer on the EPT. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, do you, do you remember watching those shows back in the day? Do you remember the early seasons of the tour? Oh, yeah, completely. Well, I, mean, I remember um, Ben Grundy was, was the guy, because he was the English guy, a young English guy. And I was the like, Milky Bar like, Kid! The Milky Bar Kid, he was playing some EPTs. I think he went deep in, like, I think it was Barden or something, or, like, one of the real old ones. Um, and I totally used to watch all the EPTs. So, like, it was kind of crazy that now I'm part of the show. It feels a bit weird. Jay, can we talk about your look back then? What was going on? Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was a young kid. I was, like, going through a bit of, like, a emo phase. I guess I think that happens. I don't know. I'm growing up now. It's changed. Was it really? It was really an emo phase. Like, I was just kind of joked about it, I, but uh, that's what you were <laughs> going honest, for. It, well, it was more of like an emo look. 
rather than like I didn't really like listen to like super heavy rock music music all the time and stuff and go to gigs and stuff and things like that. I just kind of thought the look was cool. And then that was when I was like 17, 18. And then I kind of just, just <laughs> you kept got, with it for a while, probably. But you got lazy, didn't you? Just couldn't be bothered to update. <laughs> well, it's kind of one of those things you get into a habit of doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like 25 and I was like, probably should uh, move on from I, the stage now. <laughs> I kind of want to give Jake a hard time about that. But then again, I have been wearing the exact same look since like I was 18 and a half years old. So I remember like one of my first actual experiences with jake i'd like just got done calling him my chemical romance on tv and i was like not sure if he was gonna be cool with it and he totally was so i was like this guy's all right i mean swear i do i did kind of like my chemical romance (laughs) (laughs) perfect now now jake uh do you have time to play a little game with us before we cut you loose yeah let's do it all right so uh, i was just really in watching this hand again could not get over just how perfectly still you kept like I told you, I would have had a freak out at some point. I've been like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Um, call if you're going to call. Pull if you're going to pull, but I can't do this. So I would have had a freak out. So I just uh, came up with a fun little game with you, Jake, called You're Still the One. And all okay. of the questions have something to do with still or keeping still or being still. Is this like a trivia question, quiz or? It is, it is like a trivia quiz, yes. Oh, God, I hate these things. It makes me feel <laughs> I'll tell you so what, what <laughs> I will give you a, well, I, I tried to, like, I've done a lot of these games and I, I, my, you're not supposed to get them all right, but my hope is that okay. you'll get a couple. All right. Okay. Hopefully they're easy. Okay, Jake, here we go. According <laughs> okay. to question number one, and you're still the one, according to the movie Jurassic Park, which of the dinosaurs vision was based on movement? Uh, the Velociraptor. No, no, James. No, it was the Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? That was the T Rex. Well, that's good though, Jay, because you said Velociraptor, and even though it was wrong, you you, it you, didn't, cool. you, you still named a dinosaur. So that's I don't think I don't think you thing. sound <laughs> right. It's not like you were like turkey. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> Question at number two. This is a semi-soft, crumbly style of English cheese. Uh, You're still the one. Yeah, Stilton. There we go. He's on the board. (laughs) Here we go. Got it. Oh, Uh, question. (laughs) Question number three. And you're still the one. Uh, A gaze upon (laughs) this Gorgon creature's face is said to turn men to stone. Ah, Gorgon creature. What does that mean? Pat. James, oh, you want to give a clue? <laughs> oh no, wait, James, you want to give him a clue? No, I, I don't know. Give him a clue, Joe. Give him a clue. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I think he would have gotten it if a clue had helped. No, no, no. Give him a clue. Uh, okay. <laughs> give uh, the man a clue. It's, it's, she's, she's a, it's a woman creature. Medusa. Okay, there we go. Boom. I thought that was the first thing that came to my head too. And I was like, I thought you were going to say snakes true? in the hair or something like that. You know, just giving kind of a visual reference. <laughs> snakes uh, in the hair. Yeah, no, uh, that's probably would have been smart too. I, I, I'm not very good at this either. Okay, Jake. The lowest theoretically possible temperature in which the motion of particles almost completely stops. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I'm gonna need that one again. Okay, no problem. This is the <laughs> this is this is like a, a like a scientific phrase 
referring to the lowest theoretically possible temperature in which the motion of particles almost completely stops. Freezing point? I don't know. Free- freezing point is not what we're looking for. We're looking for absolute zero. And Jake, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a uh, chance at a, at a bonus question. To the nearest okay. hundredth decimal place, what is the temperature of absolute zero? <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. It's negative 273.15 Celsius. It's okay. No, I was, was going to say that. Damn it. Pretty common knowledge. Okay, question number five. The myotonic goat, or one whose muscles freeze for roughly three seconds when the goat feels panic, are often referred to as doing what? Is that a real question? <laughs> uh, um, you, ne- you never seen the YouTube video of the guy opening the, the umbrella at the goat's? No, it sounds sounds good though. Um, okay, I'm, I'm I'm drawing a pretty big one. I'm trying to think of, a, of like some answer that has still in there. I feel like that's what you're going. No, for there's no it. there's no still in the name of this one. Okay, yeah, no, I'm blank. We're looking for fainting goats. They're fainting goats. Their muscles. I've got, go- I've got Google in front of me too. I could have just Googled that. Oh like, no no no, Jake, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got. Okay. Um, oh, well, I we didn't got, clearly. <laughs> we got two more, Jake, and I, 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 I don't think they're oh, no. super, super tough. I, I got, I got a lot of faith in you in the next one. Here we go. Question number six. <laughs> this, this neurotoxin protein is often used cosmetically in order to prevent facial muff, muscle movement and wrinkles. Botox. Botox is correct. Now, by my calculations, we have a tied game. You've got three right and three wrong. So the final question is the decider. Here we go. This movie starring... Question number seven, and you're still the one. This movie starring Jonathan Silverman and Kim Cattrall centers around an out-of-work artist who takes on work as a window dresser and falls in love with one of his motionless display pieces. <laughs> what? Um, There's a challenge that's quite popular at the moment, Jake, which shares its name with this movie. A challenge. Viral videos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in touch. Chocolate like, rain. The chocolate rain challenge. What? Nothing. I was just naming a really old web video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to help him. You're throwing um, him off the scent. Jeez. I'm going to call the clock here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Jake, unfortunately, um, you cannot wait me out. I am not going to fall. We're looking for the movie Mannequin. Mannequin. Mannequin? I've not even heard of that film. Well, it's probably because it came out 35 years before you were born. Jake Cody, you were a really good sport. Uh, don't worry about it. Not everybody wins the games. You got three right, which is pretty good, right, James? Three out of seven is not bad. No, you, with some help, with some clues, you managed it's, to get okay. to three. Um, Jake, I'm, I'm keen to know, are okay. you going to be in Prague in a month's time for what is the last ever EPT? I will be there. And it's last chance to be two-time champion. Hopefully that'll yeah. be it. It's, how, how are you feeling about the whole thing, by the way? I mean, it, it, obviously, it's, it's the end of an era, but I guess... It's the start of something new as well? Yeah, I've kind of swung in roundabout about it, actually. My initial reaction was, like, really, really, like, sad because I've got kind of more for nostalgic reasons, really, do you know, because I've got so many great memories and, like, 
great people I've met through playing EPTs. But I think like there's a lot of like good things that like um, a lot of pros to what they're doing. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be not much change, really. Is it? It's just going to be called something different. And going to some new stops, for sure. But you're absolutely right in the sense that it's the yeah. last chance of a two-time champ, and we do lose a lot of that legacy. And it's funny, again, looking back at these hands, looking back at the history, and you talk about the, the whole two-time thing, Jake. Am I right in thinking that Deauville, the event you won, was your first ever EPT? That's right. Imagine winning my last ever one, too. Wow, that I honestly... I really think if somebody could will this to happen, Jake Cody would be near the top of my list for him to be like, you know what? It's the last CPT. I think I'm just going to win it. And then he does it. Yeah. Might as well turn up this time. Well, Jake, we will see you in Prague for the EPT Festival. In the meantime, thank you for coming on EPT Not Live. Always great to have you on the show. Yeah, no worries, guys. Well, just before we move on, Joe, and go into the lobby, just a few tweets about this week's TV show, The Best of the EPT, Episode 1. Daniel says, very much enjoyed it. Let's hope for more drama, beats, arguments, and rivers for many years to come. Uh, Leslie Marsh thought it was a great countdown, guys. Loving it. Hashtag poker rules. I think she's saying that poker rules rather than she's tweeting about the rules of poker. (laughs) And Rob Milne says, glad they had that Stevich hand, one of my favourite from when I first started watching poker. My last word on that hand, in addition to the back grazing, the middle pin straight draw and the horrific graphics, is I love the fact at the end when Stevich shows the bluff and everyone else at the table, including Luca Pagano, kind of like gives him a a round of applause. Like, well played, (laughs) sir. A most excellent bluff. Congratulations on getting that move through. (laughs) Oh, well, we're all better at our jobs at this point. So yeah, quick reminder, if you want to watch that show, the first part of our Top 40 Countdown, it's available now at PokerStars.tv. And episode two of three, the second part of the Best of the EPT, is next Tuesday on Channel 4, and the very next day, it'll be available for everyone in the rest of the world at PokerStars.tv. Fun show so far. I'm actually looking forward to the next two. Excellent stuff. We are going into the lobby now on EPT Not Live. And finally, Joe, we can talk about these PokerStars Championship Bahamas Spin and Goes because the promotion is now running. The Spin and Goes are live. And as we predicted, as we teased during our live stream from Malta, this is running for a month. So between now and December the 4th, there are $10 Spin and Goes running on Stars that could see you winning a package to the first ever PokerStars Championship at Atlantis. The package is worth 10 and a half grand. That's $10,500 because we're talking about main event buy-in. That's 5K. We're talking about nine nights accommodation at the Atlantis Resort on Paradise Island. More than $1,000 in travel expenses plus $1,000 in expenses at Atlantis, a hotel room folio that you'll get when you check in. Now, obviously, I don't know how often. I'm sure if you go to the promotions page at PokerStars, it'll tell you. I'm not sure how often it spins a championship package but i believe already we've given away a few a few people have already qualified and there's going to be plenty more opportunity because this is running until the first week of december so it's nine days in the hotel and a thousand dollars uh room charge when you get there plus a thousand dollars in travel plus your 5k buy-in that's almost enough to go to starbucks every day while you're there oh actually i'm I just headed to the promotions page right now uh, that first place prize comes around 300 times in every million spins. And I know that doesn't sound like much, and you might think, oh, that's not many packages. 
If you have any idea how many spinning goes are played on PokerStars on a daily basis, you'll realize that I reckon there's going to be at least one of these every day. How do you, uh, why would they say 300 times out of a million instead of reducing that fraction a little bit? One, one, two, three, four, five, six, divided by 300. One out of every 3,333 times. That doesn't sound like that much, knowing how, uh, I mean, that that bad, knowing how many spinning goes are being played all the time. That's the key thing. It's all about volume. So hopefully, and, and this is the thing, it's not like you're not going to win anything. Yes, the vast majority of the time, I think roughly 78% of the time, it's going to be a, a 2x multiplier. You're going to be playing for $20, but it's not like you're playing for nothing. Um, so give it a go and try and spin your way to the Bahamas. I've actually moved on from spin and goes. Now, full disclosure, I'm a full-time employee at PokerStars. I can't play real money poker. My options are limited. But I did discover this new format on PokerStars called Beat the Clock. And I have become addicted, Joe, to play money Beat the Clock tournaments. Yes, I know. I'm a sad human being. Please excuse me. Please forgive me. Is this a new thing or you just discovered it? It's a new thing. It's a reworking of a familiar format. I'm sure everyone's heard of timed tournaments, which is an MTT where after a certain amount of time, the game ends, regardless of how many players are remaining, and the number of chips you have then translates into a percentage of the prize pool. Okay. This is a timed tournament. It's five minutes long, 48 players. So I guess it's classed as a sit and go. It's Zoom. And you've got five minutes with the blinds going up every 60 seconds. And if at the end of that five minutes you are still in, you are going to get a percentage of the prize pool based on the value of your chip stack at that time. And it's mainly about knowing shoving and calling ranges. It is a bit of a turbo document, but there's still a skill element involved because you've got to know when to get it in and you've got to know when's a good spot to call. And I, I do pretty well in these things. Short stack poker, it's my game. Is it super short stack like the spinning goes are? Like you start with 500 yes. chips? And yeah. is it is it three-handed like a spinning go? Four-handed. Four-handed zoom. Four-handed zoom. Interesting. With 48 players. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I appreciate you're not in the UK for another couple of weeks. But when you're here, I want to sweat you in some real money beat the clocks. And I want to see how <laughs> you fare in these things. Oh, I'm used to beating something else sitting at my computer. What else we got? <laughs> We have got the chance, Joe, for one of your friends to win some prizes in this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan vs. Stapes. Joe, for one week only, I will allow you to introduce this week's superfan because you know him better than possibly anyone else on the planet. I do know him very well. I know where all the hair on his body is. It's everywhere. <laughs> I know that it takes him an hour to brush his teeth because they're gigantic. And I know that this man will routinely go to a store, wear clothes from them, and then bring them back. Please welcome my old friend, the J-Cat, Jesse. Hey, guys. Hey, James, how the fuck are you? I'm good, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> it's been like four years since I last I saw you, which ironically was the first time I saw you as well. Um, great to have you on the show and intrigued, intrigued to hear about your new life as an Uber driver. Well, it's not my new life, but it was my temporary life to earn some extra dough that I intend to light on fire while I'm out here staying with <laughs> with uh, Joe. <laughs> so you, are Jesse, James... Oh, 
a little backstory. J- Jesse was a production assistant on season one of the big game. Second Let's, season, he was a, uh, a producer. Thank you. Thank you. Just need to make sure you added that in there. <laughs> so Jesse worked on the big game, which won't be appearing in our best of shows. But uh, obviously, we had some good moments from those. Now, Jesse, as you know, Uber better than I do. Uh, I was going to say possibly better than Joe, but he is one of their biggest customers. I just need you to help me with one thing because it will inform the game we're going to play. What is the difference okay. between Uber LUX, Uber X, Uber XX, and Uber XL? Well, from what I understand, and it's actually still very little, is that Uber X <laughs> is just the standard Uber, okay. and then when you need when you need to do like seven riders or you want to do some fancy shit then there's the other options like you know now they're introducing like uber chopper where they'll you know drive you to uh they'll drive they'll ride fly you to um anywhere you want for like three thousand dollars bloody hell okay so uber x is what we're going to go with for the game uh so jesse obviously before this you were joe stapleton's flatmate uh, we need to know. People need some inside information. And to be fair, I see this as an opportunity to even the score because Joe would come on this podcast and tell endless stories about you. What is the best mm-hmm. thing about living with Joe Stapleton and what is the worst thing? Uh, Joe is definitely the most generous person I've probably ever known. Very selfless human being. Translation, Joe soul. lights money on fire. <laughs> yeah. Jesse wanted uh, to murder me one time in Hoboken when this woman came up to me. It was like, hey, I just, I'm just like trying to get a cab home for my kids. And I was like, how much do you need? I gave her like $80. Jesse was so mad. He handed her a 20 and he goes, will this get you home? And she got 60 out of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's Joe being generous. And what's the worst thing? Uh, I don't like when Joe's wearing like his Superman underwear like, <laughs> in, in front of the refrigerator drinking apple juice at weird hours. <laughs> Joe, I need to ask, is that the Superman underwear that was specifically bought for you for that sketch in Barcelona? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know why. I just have a thing with adults drinking apple juice. Something doesn't seem right. <laughs> Uh, uh, before we get the game started, Jesse, Joe implied that you might have a good Uber-related story to share with us. Yeah, there's a thousand. A hundred. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let me try and tell the best abbreviated version of this story possible. But a lot of times you order Ubers for other people that are not you. So I got a request from a woman named Barbara. You know, what do you assume with the name Barbara? What kind of demographic? Where do you hit the name Barbara. Um, it was a strip club in Linden, New Jersey called, uh, EXO Gentlemen's Club. And, uh, I know this joint to be a real shithole. And the woman who got into my car, it was a white girl. Her name was not Barbara. Her name was Jessie. And, uh, she was extremely high on science knows what. And, uh, I got to listen to half of a phone conversation. The destination was the Meadowlands Hotel in beautiful Secaucus, New Jersey. (laughs) And uh, as I learned from her phone conversation, she has a baby in the opposite direction in a motel, and she also wanted to go to the hotel to meet somebody to pick up a band, which I did not know what that was. I I assumed it wasn't people. I was thinking back to five seasons of The Wire and trying to recall all the lingo, and I had to ask her. Just to be clear, she has a baby waiting for her in a motel, but she's going to the Meadowlands Hotel to pick up a van. A band. A, a band. Oh, right. I, I, I'm thinking rubber bands. I'm thinking what goes in the rubber bands. What is it exactly? Ah, right. 
So she asked me if it's okay if we make a quick stop at a hotel. And I say, listen, Uber drivers get paid nothing to wait. So if it's just a couple minutes, that's fine. And also, what the fuck is a band? And uh, she tells me that a band is $1,000. So I am going to participate in part one of a drug transaction that does not involve the drugs. Um, so as we're going to the Meadowlands Hotel in Secaucus, beautiful Secaucus, um, she decides that her priorities changed. Now she's very hungry, and we need to go get food. I'm not familiar with this territory, but we do find a drive through Dunkin' Donuts, to which she orders a sausage, egg, and cheese on an everything bagel with butter and cream cheese. <laughs> and <laughs> the, uh, the employee reads it back to her, but adds the word jelly into the, into the sandwich. I hear it. She doesn't. Um, <laughs> makes it for her. She eats about half of it becomes disgusted that he could have possibly gotten this atrocity wrong. <laughs> and then she demands that I circle back around so she can talk to the big illuminated uh, Dunkin' Donuts screen and yell and, and demand a refund for her incorrect order. To which she gets her new sandwich. The guy looks at me like, what are you doing with this person? And then gives her the sandwich and she devours it. So we go across the street to the hotel where she's going to pick up her band. She goes in... Uh, Five minutes past, ten minutes past, twenty minutes past. I'm freaking out. I look in the back seat. All of her bags are there, and I'm thinking, ditch customer. But I know she doesn't have Uber on her phone because it was called for her. Somebody else called on behalf of her, and she has this baby at home. And it's my second night driving, and I feel <laughs> bad, and I feel empathetic. And despite how obnoxious and ridiculous and high she is, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, and I'm playing babysitter. And I go into the lobby. Uh, and I find her. She's got her. She's got her. Uh, her hoodie scrunched over her face, like a little toddler going out for their first, you know, their first frolic in the snow. And she's got her phone on on speaker, and it's just going. Your call has been forwarded to over and over and over again. And finally, I get her back into the car. Her transaction has failed miserably at like <laughs> four in the morning, and and she gets back in the car, lays flat down on her back. And refuses to like put on her seatbelt. Uh, I say something to try and like lessen the mood. Maybe like I could tell she's coming down. She's not feeling good. And I'm like, hey, you know, people be shady. No response. And I'm wondering. I'm like, oh my god, she's not responsive. Is this stripper dead in the back seat of my car on my second night driving? But the the most peaceful and most assuring sound I've ever heard. She began to snore loud. <laughs> she's not dead. She's alive. <laughs> She's alive. Jesse the stripper is alive. <laughs> and so I drive like 30 minutes, like 95 miles an hour. Get her home. Can't wake her up for the life of me. Shake her, shake her, scream in her face, debate all sorts of weird things. And uh, yeah, so then uh, finally got her to her door, got her home safe to her baby. 96 minutes with the girl. And then the next day I got a notification for Uber that... Uh, the owner of the account filed an appeal that I had taken an inefficient route and they took the money out of my account. No. <laughs> I was going to ask Dude, how much. I need to, to know how much did you get paid for that assignment? Well, it would have been after they took their fares, after they accounted for the tolls and everything, I would have netted $44 profit in 96 minutes. Oh, my God. I mean, that's bad enough. And then to have it revoked is just to add insult it's, to injury. 
It's hilarious because James, if you like take a look, because what'll happen is as a customer, you can like look at the route you took like the next day. If you're like, I think they gave me the runaround. This thing did like two loop de loops through Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> two hotel trips. Jesse had to pull over to try to wake her up when he thought she was dead. I mean, if I looked at that, I'd be like, there's no fucking way I'm paying for this. Oh God. Well, I'm glad that we got to the question of how much stuff costs, because that is the idea of this game. We oh, are yeah. gonna look at the cost of certain Uber journeys. And you have to decide whether to book it or screw it. Here's how it's oh, going to work. Oh, what a game. Interesting. So, for example, let's say Joe goes first. I give Joe a route, and Joe has to try and put a cost on that route. And then, Jesse, I say, do you want to book it or screw it? If you think the number Joe has given is cheaper than the actual number that Uber has quoted me on the internet, then you win. But According to, like, their site? Absolutely, according to their site. So May I remind you of how many class action lawsuits are currently being filed? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. The point is, the answer that the website gives is the answer. So you have to decide whether the number that your opponent has given is cheaper or more expensive. And if you get it wrong, you lose a point. Superfan versus Stakes. Right, so let's say, Joe, you do go first. Um, let's start off with an easy one, shall we? So remember, these are Uber X fares. Now we've established what that means. So, Joe, you have to drive someone from Newark Airport to Tribeca. What are you going to quote from Newark Airport to Tribeca? Okay, so just for, by the way, for the purposes of this game, Jesse is playing as the Uber passenger, not as the Uber driver. You're the Uber driver, Je Jesse is the passenger, and he has to decide okay. whether to book it or screw it. Okay, from Newark Airport to Tribeca, I'm gonna say $57. Screw it. You're right not to book it because the actual fare is quoted at $41. So Jesse, oh. you score the first point of the game. And now Nailed you it. get to quote. Um. Jesse, in a few weeks' time, Joe mm -hmm. will need to get a taxi from Prague Airport to the Hilton Prague. In Czech Krona, how much would you quote for that journey? Uh, are there any taxi protests currently going on in Prague? <laughs> Not that I am aware of. Well, I'm very cultured, as you might know. Um, I'm just going to uh, assume that that fare is going to cost... Um, uh, $65. In Czech Krona, do you know what that is? Absolutely not. Okay, would you like me to do the exchange for you? Sure. Okay, that is 1,600 Czech Krona. Joe, 1,000... How many Trump dollars does that equal? <laughs> Joe, 1,600 Czech Krona. Are you going to book it or screw it? I'm going to screw it for that price. Absolutely, because you could get it for 296 Czech Krona. Shit, that's everything's so cheap there. Uh, Joe, I recently had to take a journey from my home in Putney to High Wycombe. I took the train. Had I booked an Uber, how much would you charge me for that journey? In pounds sterling, please. Oof. High Wycombe. I'm going to go with. You went by yourself? On my own. Okay, you took a train, which means it's got to be at least more than what the train would cost. Although not really, because trains are faster. Um, I'm going to go with 56 pounds. 
56 pounds is the number that Joe has quoted. Jesse, are you going to book it or screw it? Uh, I think gonna... I, I think I should tell Jesse that I literally have no idea where, like, what the distance is between these two places. I'm going to say let's book that. And you are right to book it, Jesse, which means you score a point. The actual number was 67 pounds. Oh, man, I almost said 67. Cool. You screwed yourself out of some money there, Joe. Uh, <laughs> so, Jesse, the next journey. Mm-hmm. Your passenger wants to go from Circus Circus on the Las Vegas Strip to the Mandalay Bay at the other end of the Strip. How much are you going to charge them? How much am I going to charge them? Well, how much do you think it's going to... How much should that fare be? Well... One mile at 86 cents a mile plus 15 cents per minute <laughs> you lost of your life. I don't know, Mike, maybe 12 bucks. 12 bucks is the number that Jesse's quoting. Joe, are you going to book it or screw it? It's from Mandalay to where? Circus Circus to Mandalay Bay. $12 is what's been quoted. Screw it. You should have taken it. 13 is the answer that oh, Uber are quoting. Man. And Jesse goes 3-1 up. Okay, Joe, your next one. Joe, you want to go from the home ground of one of your favorite football squadrons, the Chelsea Manchester United, to the mm -hmm. home stadium of the Tottenham Spurs. So Chelsea <laughs> to Tottenham, how much? Chelsea to Tottenham, 21 pounds. 21 pounds is what Joe is quoting. Book it or screw it, Jesse. Book it. You're right to book it because the actual fare quoted is 26 pounds. Jesse goes 4-1 up. Final question. Joe wants to go from Universal Studios to Disneyland. So we're in Los Angeles. We're going Ooh. from Universal Studios to Disneyland. Jesse, how much for that journey? Uh, I'm going to go... $56. $56. Joe, book it or screw it? Screw it. Correct. The actual quoted figure is 54. You were close, though. Uh, so the final score, however, is 4-2 to Jesse. You have won this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Yay. Good Yay. Thank you. So, Jesse, here's the deal. You're going to get an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot baseball cap. And to save on shipping costs, I'm going to give it to Joe next time he's in London. Oh, actually, <laughs> you don't share an apartment anymore. Screw it. We'll stick it in the post. Otherwise, you won't see it till like, next year. It could be incentive for me to uh, take another trip out here, though. Joe, would you rather yeah. give it to him or have me post it? Uh, I'd rather post it. I, 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 who knows when I'll see this joker again. There you go. That's basically Joe's way of saying <laughs> you're not welcome back in his home anytime soon, Jesse. <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't want to see my Superman underwear, go stay somewhere else, you piece of shit. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show, Jesse. It's been an honor and a privilege. So, Joe, now that it's just you and me, I have a confession to make. Okay. I didn't really want to kind of say this in front of our super fan because it's really unprofessional. But when I got into the booth this afternoon, I suddenly realized, oh, fuck, I've completely forgotten about Superfan versus Stapes. I had to wing it and make that competition up on the spot. Really? I was going to do a trivia quiz, 
with questions about Uber, the company, but I completely forgot to do any research and completely forgot to compile any questions. So literally, I'm like getting web browser windows open, putting those journeys in as we're going. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well done, buddy. It was fairly <laughs> seamless. That was pretty good. Got away with it. All right. Confession from James Hardigan for once. I like it when I'm not the only fuck up. That's good. It's good that he's a human being occasionally, guys. This has been a hard week on for both of us. Yeah. Has it been hard? Was it hard for you guys too? Well, I just, I've been out of the office for two days. And so, you know what oh, that okay. means? It means that today means I'm having to do three days worth of work. Sure. All uh, right. Talking of which, I need to be in a meeting in 12 minutes. So uh, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this up, shall we? That is all the time we got for this week's show. Next week, we will be discussing the best of episode number two with an absolutely awesome, hysterical, one of my all-time favorite hands, or Ryan D'Angelo has a complete meltdown. <laughs> Ryan's tall. Ryan is totally on board to come on the show. He he has no issues talking about that hand. He is in Montreal next week, so we're going to get a hold of him. Uh, and Phil Cooper, the air traffic controller, a dude who thought we were ignoring him on Twitter for a year and a half after he had accidentally made his tweets private, he is going to be on the show next week. Superfan versus Stapes, talking about Top Gear. James, any closing words? Only to say that if you haven't seen Best of Episode 1, it's online at Pokestars TV. Episode 2 airs next week. It's online next week. And yeah, there's some great hands in it, uh, including that hand featuring Ryan and also a hand featuring a man whose wedding you went to about a year ago. Oh, awesome. I think there's a hashtag involved. That is all the time we've got left for this week's show. I am James Hardigan. He is Joe Stapleton. That's not how things really happen, but... Down is up, James. We elected Donald Trump as president. Smell you later.